Support for this podcast is brought to you by Just One More Glimpse. Have you ever wondered how you got to where you are in life? Were you ever curious about what would have happened if you took that leap of faith all those years ago and pursued that dream job, chased that summer romance, or hopped that plane to take that once-in-a-lifetime vacation? If so, Just One More Glimpse can help you. Contact Cash the Angel, who will show you a glimpse of how life would have turned out for you if you had the courage to take that chance. Find out if the grass truly is always greener on the other side by scheduling your first glimpse today. Use promo code TISTHEPOD for 25% off. But be warned going in, don't get too held up on what could have been, because a glimpse, by definition, is an impermanent thing. Have fun! Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Hey, everyone. You're listening to Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's dedicated to keeping the spirit of Christmas alive 365 days a year. I'm Tom. I'm Julia. And I'm Anthony. Hey, guys. What's going on? So it's really funny when you go first, Tom, because you don't do the, I'm Tom. (laughs) That would just sound weird. Tom. (laughs) Welcome to Tis the Podcast. I'm Tom. (laughs) (laughs) You just sound like I'm trying to steal the show. At the end, I'm just like, please remember me, guys. I'm here, too. <laughs> oh. oh, I feel like I haven't talked to you guys in forever. This has been a really long week. I was feeling that way, too. Me, too. This is becoming my, my therapy. Yeah. <laughs> it's your martini at the end of the day. Although I don't, I don't know that it's going to be so therapeutic today as, as caused me to need therapy. I see Anthony, just for, for you listeners out there who don't know, Anthony is prepping for this episode by drinking a Ho Garden. <laughs> it is not it. in a festive Christmas mug. <laughs> yeah. Nope. So. Well, this is the first week I've noticed you've not had a matronly cup of tea. I already had tea at dinner. Well, this week we are bringing you the 2000 film starring Nicolas Cage and Taya Leone, the family man. And Julia, do you want to give us a quick plot synopsis before we get started? Jack's lavish, fast-paced lifestyle changes one Christmas night when he stumbles into a grocery store holdup and disarms the gunman. The next morning, he wakes up in bed lying next to Kate, his college sweetheart he left in order to pursue his career, and to the horrifying discovery that his former life no longer exists. As he stumbles through this alternate suburban universe, Jack finds himself at a crossroad when he must choose between his high power career and the woman he loves. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just going to steal the thunder and go with my history of this movie. I saw this movie in the theater 
by myself. <laughs> I think this may be one of the first times I ever went to the movies by myself and realized, hey, I kind of like this. Oh, it's yeah. so nice. Um, it is. It is. <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed the film. I liked the, the, the way it made me think differently. Um, you know, it, this was um, in 2000, so um, it came out. Um, shortly after I graduated from high school, just starting college at a crossroads in life, uh, proverbially saw myself in that, in the airport scene, deciding, you know, what to do with my life. Am I going to go to London? And it did kind of scar me a little bit for a little while because it made me think every decision I make is going to have a lasting, <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be a long lasting, life changing thing. Now I don't think every decision, every little decision I make is going to be that, that far reaching, but uh who knows? I, 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 I like the movie. Have you seen the butterfly effect? Every I have seen the butterfly is effect. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, then we get into the whole, you know, uh, uh, and, and this movie plays into it. I'll, um, I'll talk more about my theory behind it and, and uh, behind this, but uh, uh, then we get into, you know, you're talking butterfly effect and you start getting into the whole like alternate universes, the multi-dimension, each decision we make splinters an entire new reality. Perfect fodder for comic book fans. Right. Oh, I'm I'm really so I'm I'm obsessed with that and string theory, the idea that that all matter is made up of tiny strings that vibrate. You need so. to read Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. Have you read it? I've read that. No. Oh. That book wrecked me. It's a good book. Like it's one of those you finish and you're like, holy crap balls. That is equally terrifying and super awesome, but mostly terrifying. It's great. You should read it. Anthony, <laughs> what's your history with this movie? Um, so I was kind of trolling you guys. I don't have a history with this movie. I saw it for the first time yesterday. Uh, I saw it for I the first sh- time. I, I saw it for the first time in full yesterday. Shocking. <laughs> I have seen, I have seen clips over the years and, you know, I knew what it was and who was in it and everything like that. Um, so... Full disclosure, I hate Nicolas Cage in general. I think he is a B-list actor who somehow blunders his way into A-list movies, just like Hallmark C-list actors blunder their way into B-list movies. But anyway, so I was kind of trepidatious going into this because I don't like him. Uh, But I enjoyed a lot of this movie. There is, are some significant problems I have with it. And I'll leave it there until we get into it. I, I will say I agree. Watching it critically, I, I have a few, few negative notes here that I didn't expect. And I can't believe you trolled us for like, this has been a long troll game. This wasn't just like a couple days. <laughs> um, Julia, what's your history? Um... Given it was 2000, I'm pretty sure I probably saw this movie in the theaters with my parents. Um, we love to go to movies growing up. We go to a ton of them, and this seems right up our alley, right? Light, fluffy comedy, romantic comedy. So I think I saw it in the theaters, and I enjoyed it then, and I enjoy it now. Awesome. Well, let's just jump right in. So this movie is directed by... A, I'm pretty sure he's not involved in Hollywood at all anymore. Brett Ratner, as Anthony pointed out, he has gone from Warner Brothers, but I don't think anybody's hiring him anymore, are they? I don't he think so. He did the Lego Ninjago movie in 2017. 
But I think all this stuff around. literally just came out about him like halfway through last year. So yeah, I don't think we'll be seeing him much, much more of him anyway. Do you guys know what he was a producer of? The Revenants. Better. What? Be- what's better than the Revenant? <laughs> Santa Slay, guys. Oh. Was he really? <laughs> he was. He was so he was a, a producer for Santa Slay. I saw that and that's the third- second Santa Slay connection in this film. It is. It is. Wow. Very nice catch, Anthony. I'll let you bring the other one. But uh so yeah, we know him. He's been around. Um I think his career is pretty much over. Um Prior hopefully over, he had he, some pretty big hits. Yeah, and Gal Gadot threatened to leave her contract as Wonder Woman if he wasn't basically fired from being a producer on the film, on the sequel. Wow. She's the most beautiful woman I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, I love her. She's gorgeous. <laughs> she's just a beautiful human being in general. Well, exactly. Like she's yeah. the whole package, right? She, I mean, yeah. it's everything. But like her face is <laughs> super beautiful too. <laughs> there are some beautiful human beings in this film as well. Like there Nicolas are Cage. Some human beings in this film. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Nicolas Cage. Uh, the writers were uh, David Diamond and David Ves- uh, Weissman. They are they work together on a lot of stuff. They did the. Uh, do you remember the movie Evolution? From 2001. Yeah. Sadly, uh, I do. <laughs> they did that. They did uh, Old Dogs with John Travolta and Robin Williams back in 09. And they wrote When in Rome. Well, I liked, Ren- the, I liked When in Rome. What's her face in it? Cute little Kristen Bell. Whatever it is with Kristen Bell. Yeah. So oh. um, they have a little, you know, they have a, they have a, a mild claim to fame there with When in Rome. Uh, we have another returning favorite for music in this. We're back with Danny Elfman again. I think this um, is the third film he showed mm-hmm. up in so far. Yep. I think you're right. I think you're right. He was um, in Batman Returns and Nightmare Before Christmas. His first, his first Sans Burton. Yep. Um, and I do want to say, before we get into the movie, the, the music, I paid a lot of attention to it knowing it was Danny Elfman. The Christmas aspect of the score... At times, it's really subtle, but it's so beautiful. I love the opening scene. Um, this the little be my homage first to the Jingle Bells. Contention because I think this is weak in terms of Danny Elfman's scores. Oh, it's so, but it's oh. it's really subtle. It's really oh, I subtle. I, I'm not saying it's not beautiful, but in terms of Danny Elfman's scores, like it doesn't live up to what I expect from Danny. I can see that he's he's had some much bigger hits over the years. This one is more. Edward Scissorhand sounding than it is Batman, um, which. But Edward Scissorhands, I love that one. I and I just don't really. This that one. needs this to go on our list. Same magical yeah, does. music too. I love the score. I, I mean, even well, if it's so- a more subdued one, I thought it fit the movie absolutely perfectly. So I was looking forward to the score because Tom, I think, mentioned it at the end of last week. Well, I love it. Yeah, and I just, I don't know, it underwhelmed me, like, I think all of the film. Last week, Julie, didn't you host the, the score for this is actually part of your Christmas canon? Yes, it is. Wow, so um, we, have a, we have our first disagreement of the night. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so my, what not, I love not to be the about last. the score is it's like you put, it's like putting an electric blanket around your shoulders. 
Um, there are a few composers that do that very well. Rachel Portman is the other one that is like a master at music. She did the legend of Bagger Vance and then, um, a Marissa Tomei, Robert Downey Jr. movie from the nineties. Um, to count the stars under the stars. I can't think of it anyway. Um, it's just a very warm for all the music geeks out there, because I'm geeking out right now, it is a very warm score, and it makes me just incredibly happy, which is why it fits so well in my Christmas canon. The score does. I, I just want to jump in right here real quick and say this is going to be our not going to be our last disagreement of the night. And going through my notes, it's going to sound like I don't like this movie a lot of the time, but I actually do enjoy it. I'm just saying that. We've seen that quite a few times with you, Anthony. Yeah, we have. But, never, but I, will, I will say this. I, n- n- never mind. I'll leave it till later on. In terms, uh, of, in terms of scoring, how I scored it. So um, I like the way we've done the cast where we more organically talk about the cast as opposed to just listing and reading. Are you guys cool mm-hmm. if we continue that? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Cool. Um, so the movie opens up and we've got Nicolas Cage, who's this, this halfalutin Wall Street, I'm about to bring about the Great Recession of 2008 guy. And it looks um, the same as he did 13 years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's the opening scene is in the airport, and he and Taylor Leone have not aged a bit between the two. I mean, like they didn't even. That's in my notes. They didn't even try to make them look young in that. No. They're supposed the long to be. Hair made her look younger. Made her look more girlish. They could have given Nicolas Cage a little more hair. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't age, but I thought she did. A little bit. Um, but did you? We had a we had our Tulsa reference early on. Amber I Valletta. Tulsa reference. Amber Valletta. I don't know who that is. Oh, that redheaded chick. No, the model from Tulsa. She's the one that he was ending his yeah. overnight tryst with. Yeah. Oh, the really redhead. Very good. Um, oh, she redhead in this. She's from Tulsa. Uh huh. Amber Valletta. Yep. Her name is Paula in the film. Just for the record. Yeah. I have her name down with hearts next to it in my notes. She, uh, <laughs> she's been actually pretty involved in the uh, nonprofit community here in Tulsa. Done a lot for that. I no for idea. the for the homeless Very cool. community. Her mom's really involved in the uh, in the community as well. Anyway, um, I'm just gonna say when we, from the from the get go, I don't like I don't like this guy. I think that's supposed to be the case. Um, yeah. He, they, you know, we we start with them working Christmas Eve and um, trying to close this multi-billion-dollar pharmaceutical merger that has to be done, you know, on Christmas Day because you know every pharmaceutical company is concerned about closing their deal on December twenty-fifth. Uh, <laughs> it seems really believable, and uh, he he works in New York City, and I do want to just point out the setting, for example, because this movie nailed New York, and I'll say that as a New Yorker, uh, in terms of just just how it looks in the winter, mm. in, including how empty it, lo- it gets on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And I liked the Twin Towers in the background. This is 2000. They used to be the beacon, you know, going into the city. And I really enjoyed how they uh, shot New York in this film. So mm-hmm. that's a plus in my column from the New Yorker. So high praise. High praise. I will say that, so I, we're not supposed to like Jack, but I love that they didn't make Jack heartless even when he was mm-hmm. pre-glimpse. Because he's not, he, he's, 
his job is the most important thing in his life, but that doesn't make him an awful person to everybody around him, right? See, I'm going to disagree. I did not like that. I have that in my notes. I don't buy. From you wanted him to be heartless? No, 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 not that. I just don't think they did a good enough job selling me uh, from being this guy where he's like in the boardroom and like, you don't like him. And then I did not buy him later on um, trying to be a nice guy to cash and like be a hero and everything like that. He was really nice to his staff, Sans. Um, Alan? Alan, who is Saul Rubinek, which... who. I don't know if you guys know him. The delicatessen in Santa Slay. <laughs> Killed by the menorah. Aww. And he was very Pardon. Jewish in that. And this, he's very concerned about celebrating Christmas with his family, which I just thought was funny because <laughs> when we researched him before, um, his father ran the Yiddish repertory theater in a refugee camp in Germany. Um, so, oh I mean, my like, gosh. He's like very uh, connected with his, his Jewish culture and identity. I just thought it was kind of a, a funny mix. That so, is funny. So just Jack's personality at the beginning as well. I just want to say I don't buy him. Like, give, I didn't buy that, and I didn't buy him uh, talking to his assistant or whoever about his ex-girlfriend from 1987. And I, he just didn't sound like the type of person who would open up that quickly to his assistant. Like, I didn't buy that either. Or talk randomly to his boss about it. Or I guess the guy's not his boss because he's the president. Uh, yeah. His coworker who said, you know, that, that cheesy line, keep X's and taxes oh, for three old, years. Old flames are like old tax returns. Put them in the filing cabinet for three years and then cut them loose. I like that line. Hmm. That was pretty, pretty harsh, though. <laughs> oh, but I loved it. I, I bought the stuff at the beginning. I mean, if, if we're going to talk a little bit about Nicholas yeah. Cage and his apt- acting ability... He's definitely not my favorite actor. I don't think is he, is he an actor? Oh come on! No, no. He has he has two modes. He has over the top Nicolas Cage, in which he's become he's, that's what he's known for nowadays, right? The over the topness. But he also has this more subtle, subtle Nicolas Cage, and uh, he just comes across bland and boring. I that's one of my biggest criticisms of the movie. I would have liked this movie 10 times better if they had cast a real actor for this role. Nick Cage, I may have liked some of his movies, but I've never once found him to be a good actor. It still baffles my mind that he's an Academy Award winner. Because he, in my mind, is the most unbearable person to watch on screen. And Taylor Leone could have done it better than him. Just saying. I will say it's part of the movie magic, though, that you hate him at the beginning and somehow the movie, inadvertently, because I know it wasn't their intention, turned me onto his side at the end and turned me against Taylor but we'll get to that later on. I, you know who that is for me? Who? who? Tom Cruise. Oh, he's the other one. He's the other one. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, We're talking about people that are the same in every movie and they have no span. You're also talking about Keanu Reeves. Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, uh-huh. Who else? A ton. But, but they a can. Ton they, of actors. They may play the same characters and are typed cast, but they can at least act those characters. Nick Cage, in my mind, cannot. He's just not. Whatever. Whatever. Let's move on. I have I a feeling we're gonna get some. I, I have a feeling we're gonna hear from some of our listeners on this. Although, 
<laughs> we did. We did hear from Disco Fifty Four about Nick Cage. We did. We did. He actually liked Nick Cage in this movie, and does I not like usually Nick like Nick Cage. Cage. I do. Yeah, I do. Just want to quote part of what he said because I have it up. He said, there are, t- there are times when Nick Cage is in Nick Cage. He's just an actor. He dials it way back and you feel like nothing wacky is going to happen. And he isn't going to flip out and spray everything with machine gun fire while wearing crocodile skin boots. He's going to be good. This is one of those films. I liked Weatherman, by the way. I would have to disagree. but I really liked Weatherman, by the way. I don't know if y'all Weatherman. saw Weatherman. I don't even know what movie that is. I, I think I've seen that once a long time ago. He just yeah. he's just kind of goes crazy and starts carrying a, a bow and arrow through <laughs> downtown. Um, it's back when, you know, those kind of, I, I think it was, well, no, it would have been after, but it, it just had a, a reminiscent feeling to me of uh, falling down with Michael Douglas. Huh. Anyway, random aside about other Nick Cage movies. Um, I'm going to have to start finding all the best. Uh, Nick Cage stuff I can to troll Anthony with, like his. Uh, his the oh, I I will say this: just because I hate him as an actor doesn't mean I hate all of his movies. Right, I, I feel that way about Tom Cruise too. Yeah, same. Although Mission Impossible is, does not fit into that category, I do hate the Mission Impossibles. I liked the first one. I never liked any of the other ones. I only saw part of the first one, and I lost interest. Anyway, you don't even like Ghost Protocol or any of those. You haven't seen them. No, I've seen them. I see them because I'm a masochist, apparently, because I keep seeing Tom Cruise and Nicolas Cage movies. And every time I walk out complaining, why do I keep seeing Tom Cruise and Nicolas Cage movies? But so you didn't like. I love love the new Mission Impossibles. I love them. Simon Pegg got me. I love Simon Pegg. I do love Simon Pegg. And Jeremy Renner. So you didn't like. So you didn't like any of the National Treasures at all? No, I was about to say, those are two Nicolas Cage movies I do like. Okay. But, but more for the story and the supporting cast. Not, again, that could have been a better movie had they recast the lead. But I, do, I do find those movies fun, especially like, the sequel with Helen Mirren. I like, I, like, I like that genre, you know, Night at the Museum, National Treasure, uh, yeah, that's The Mummy, fun. Sans, mm. the, the one with Tom Cruise, um, <laughs> the Brendan Fraser mummies. Yeah, those um, are a lot of fun. So you didn't like his character, or you didn't buy his character at the beginning. How did you feel about his character by the end? By the end? Hmm? Are we jumping to the end? Or, uh, Not discussing, just, I'm just curious for my own. Did you, did you come around to like his character? Or Not, find only, more believable? not only did I come around to like his character, I came around, and I know this wasn't the point of the movie, but this is where the movie fails for me on another level. Not only did I come around to like his character, I came around to think to thinking you made the best choice of your life getting on that plane to London originally. Cause I can't wait to get to the end and hear it, this. It totally <laughs> turned me against Kate's character completely by the end. And I loved her the whole movie. But by the end, I was like, you know what? You did the best thing in your life by getting on that plane. Anyway. So... Well, we're, as we're talking, you know, going back to the beginning here, I'm very confused about one thing. Mm-hmm. I don't understand Cash, Don Cheadle's character <laughs> at all. Me either. Like, he goes from randomly robbing a place because they won't give him his lottery winnings to he's got some sort of angelic, you know, the Clarence role of this film, although he's kind of a jerk about it. And the way he characterizes this glimpse, he tells Jack, remember, you brought this on yourself. And I'm thinking to myself, 
So how did he bring this on himself? Is it by saving the cashier and doing a good deed and you're going to punish him by showing this alternate reality? Eh, did the, maybe the cashier needed to go. Maybe. I kind of yeah, think so. Yeah, that was never clear because typically you'd think he'd be sitting in this posh life and try and you know, have some idea of, I wonder what it would have been like if... So one of the things I liked about this movie, and it's terrifying to me, is the whole glimpse concept. Because it's not like Scrooge, who's shown you can be a better person and make the world better around you in the present. You you didn't, you know? And it's not like George Bailey being shown what the world would be like without him. This is being shown you made a huge mistake and effed up your life. And I'm going to show this crap to you and then bring you back to the reality where, because you can't fix it. Like that would be terrifying to me. Like, I think that's worse punishment than not punishment. It's a worse uh, journey than Scrooge or George Bailey had to go on. I agree completely. Cause then you get into the question of, okay, are we in an alternate reality? Did this, does this actually exist? If not, do these kids actually exist? I am assuming they exist based on Stephen Hawking's theory or the basic physics theory that there is literally a reality for every possible combination out there. And that's what we're supposed to believe here. No, they don't exist. They totally exist. No, they don't. Because they had been living their own lives because the little girl, Abby, whatever, Annie does, recognizes that Jack isn't her real dad, which I liked because I like in all these films, we saw it with the Santa Claus kids always know, like they knew Scott Calvin was Santa when he didn't look like Santa. So she knows it's not her dad. I just like how kids have that innate sense. But you know, I how I, you know how I know they weren't in reality when he's changing the diaper and it's all that gooey, gross, drippy mess. And the way he holds it, that would have gone all over him and everywhere else. That oh, yeah. diaper would have leaked. Anybody who's oh, been yeah. a parent for two minutes has been in that situation. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is this is a fake world. This does not exist. <laughs> no, um, see, I really think it was what Cash said it was. It was just a glimpse. This it was Nate Cage's character almost dreaming is how I like to think of it as what would have happened, you know, if he was dropped in that world because he made a different choice at the beginning. So you don't think it's literally what would have happened? You think it's just No, I think it's I think it's how his life would have played out if he had made a different choice, but I think it was to him in a dream. I don't think some kids are walking around up here. I don't think uh, he's going to run into those kids grown up and be like, wait a second. No, no but, because, but they're in an alternate well, they They're in an alternate reality. So far, Anthony and Julia are on very different planes. <laughs> and uh, oh, I say no. I say yes. They don't exist. It's not a... And That's for me, point. I mean, it's, it's fun it's to think. not the point, but they exist. For, <laughs> for, for me, it's, fun to, it's, it's a fun concept. I, I like dealing with, you know, uh, uh, theoretical, theoretical physics and what does or doesn't happen, how time travel works. But at the end of the day, I don't know. Just the idea, Annie was so cute. And the idea that she may not be real. Well, what's to stop them from going on? And if they have kids, out Age. pops Annie. Age. And, Age. Well, they'll be a little bit older, sure, but that wouldn't stop them from having two kids. Those genes probably aren't as good as they were at one point. Oh, crap. They'll have cute babies. <laughs> Do you know he owns the Lamborghini in this movie? Or he owned it during shooting this movie? That was his actual Lamborghini. Speaking was it really? Italian cars. The one that Don Cheadle drove? 
that was I another scene. I love Don Cheadle. I do too. Mm-hmm. I do too. But the, it really bothered me. Like he is he, again. Is he an angel? An angel figure? Is he the Clarence here? If so, he's kind of a jerk because Nicholas Cage is having this this complete uh, uh, breakdown, not understanding what's what's really going on finding out, you know, nobody knows who he is in his old life, and Don Cheadle just drives up in his car to troll him. Okay. And then, uh, and then, and then, what do you think? Okay, look, I can tell you're having a rough time. Let's just get out of the car and talk. And Nicholas Cage is like, yeah, that's really what I need. And Don Cheadle just drives off. <laughs> okay, he's clearly an angel in need of his wings. Oh, I never thought about him needing his wings at all. I think I he needs a lot more than his wings. He's out playing the lottery, and Threatening to shoot people and <laughs> were we supposed to be getting racist vibes going on? Was was that cashier supposed to be racist, or was I just reading too much into it? No, I no, I, I got I racist got vibes. Too. Yeah, I totally got that. Well, so we've established we don't really like Jack pre glimpse, and that we do like him post glimpse, right? Hundred percent. I think it's a wonderful, okay. a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, transformation. I mean, we see him. From the, I mean, everything about him is awful. Even, you know, uh, in this glimpse, he has to have his friend Arnie have some sort of talk with him about getting into some sort of, you know, deposit banking system for fidelity. It just got a little weird for me. So I'm a huge fan of Jeremy Piven. Just so. um, This was 2000. Jeremy Piven was in everything. <laughs> yeah, I love him. I'm so, so about Jeremy Piven. Uh, but I never he, watched he, He's a better actor than Nicholas Cage. I've never seen Entourage. Um, I used to always get him and John Favreau confused for some reason. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not anymore. I don't know. That's funny. Um, I love all the family stuff, and we're supposed to love the family stuff, but it felt authentic to me. That drudgery of, of everyday life with the family that's inexplicably sweet. It's totally exhaustive and you know having a family and a wife and all that stuff changes your priorities and i thought they captured that very well very very well i loved this family i loved the kids i loved their relationship once they get to the point where he is you know i love annie yeah when he's not an alien from the mothership anymore all of that it was so so this movie to me is over too sickingly sweet and over sentimental and i think i'm just going to read to you the rotten tomatoes consensus because it sums up my feelings of the movie overall in general but it says something about that despite good performances by cage which i disagree with and especially by leone which i do agree with the family man is too predictable and derivative to add anything new to the christmas genre also it sinks under sentimentality which I agree with. I had, we I had fifty four minutes left in this film when I started. I wrote down the note. This movie is feels very long, and I think it was because of the drudgery. And I'm fine with the movie getting to the drudgery of family life, but this was overly sentimental, so it felt too long for me. And that's also when I started Googling the actors in this movie and realized, hey, Leone's Madam Secretary is still on TV. Really? But, yeah, it's really? fantastic. Great show. Yeah, I thought I've it had. Watched it. I've watched it and I liked it, but I didn't think it was on still. Oh, yeah. It's um, really good. To some, of our, to some listener, I'm sure. But um, this was my f- 
only my second Christmas, you know, full blown family man. Um, and I love the sentimentality of it. I love, I love how sweet it is. I love the way the family works. Um, this is really what we're striving for and what we're trying to create, you know? Um, so in that regard, it was, I bought it more than I would have before. Um, I'll say this. It does not ring true for me for any family I know in the tri-state area. Not one. How overly sentimental they are like this. Like when he puts on the birthday tape of him singing to her, I rolled my eyes and walked out of the room until that scene was over. It made me so freaking annoyed. It was not believable. And I was like, screw this. If this happened at a party I was at, I would laugh at them and throw my beer at them. I really would. Like, this is just so ridiculous. But who hurt you, Anthony? No one heard me. <laughs> no one heard me. It's just if you're if you're gonna set something like that in an area that I know, make it believable. But oh, I didn't think about you were saying that. Yeah, since it was set in New York, that didn't. Sorry, yeah, I missed that. Maybe part. you need new friends, Anthony. I'm just. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I know perfectly happy families, and none of them are overly this overly sentimental. It was. That's that like that literally lost a point for me with the over sentimentality. I was like, this is sickening, even for a Christmas movie. Even though we'll get to that later, but I don't think it's a Christmas movie. But anyway, I, I if I was not married, well, I wasn't married when I watched this. I remember seeing it and saying, I really hope that's what it's really like when you're married and have kids. You know, right? like I hope that that's what it is, and then that can be how it is. <laughs> I mean, that whole, so I love the scene where, um, I, I want to keep calling him Nick Cage, Jack, Jack Campbell, when he leaves for work and she like pounces on him on the front porch, kisses him and grabs his butt like that and then just spins and walks back inside and he walks off with that silly smile on his face. See, I had no problem like, with that. That is true life, at least specific, Yeah, no, that, that's fine it's the stupid video it's the, uh, there are a bunch of different things in this yeah, well again a lot of my problem comes toward the freaking end for, i i buy the singing i do i too. would totally do that to embarrass christine mm-hmm. at her birthday <laughs> i would I probably have. boo you and throw my beer i probably have uh, only it was probably more like a Top Gun, you've lost that loving feeling style. <laughs> Wait, yeah. So that worked for me in Top Gun. That worked for me in Scream 2, where characters did the same thing, but they're self-deprecating about it. This wasn't. This was played for sweet, just overly sweet. It's played completely straight, and that annoyed me. It was like, no, because if somebody's going to do this, they're not playing it like that. I thought it was sweet, and I thought, I think some people are like that. Keep, keep, keep the trolling. I haven't locked down my score yet. I, I just feel, I just, when I hear this, I just feel bad for Sarah. I feel bad for Sarah. <laughs> now, trust me, a lot of the problems she had with this film were the same ones. So. Really? Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's take a side note here since we've mentioned it a few times, but I think it begs an extra mention. The kids in this movie, that girl with her super sweet little lisp or whatever it is the way that she says my my brother yes my brother i love that part they're her her outfits they have too yeah 
Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I did like the detail with with the costumes was mm-hmm. great. Like when Nick Cage is wearing or Jack is wearing that suit at the mall, and it's so like tailored fit. It looks perfect. And then mm-hmm. she gets him the one at the outlet, and they're out to dinner, and it's like, oh, yeah, looks like Steve Harvey in that suit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, speaking of the suits, I liked when he was going through his closet in the alternate reality, and he was like, oh, this is just, this is just subpar. <laughs> that made me laugh. <laughs> but uh, no, going back to Annie for a second, I really liked, she was so sweet. And I did like, so me and Sarah watch my cousin's kids a lot, and they're one and a half and three and a half. And so I liked that Annie knew he wasn't her father and knew he was clueless, but she was had enough awareness to help him. Like, this is what, where I have to be now. He has to do this, blah, blah, blah. And that, that rang true to me because for example, when we we're babysitting the three and a half year old can tell us what all the different cries mean of his sister. And he's right all the time. Oh, she's hungry. Oh, she needs a diaper change. Oh, she's tired. Right. 100% of the time. So that, that rang true to me that like she, would be able to help him in that regard. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's very sweet. I, I have one of my favorite quotes from her when we get, well, actually a lot of my quotes are for her, but we when we get to it. <laughs> so well, Anthony, you want to, there is one instance of crazy Nick Cage here. And it's when he, another part I hated when he's chasing her around for the cake, but he leaps out from around the corner. He's like, ta-da, I want that cake. I expected him to freaking whip out a butcher's knife and hack her to bits. Like, that that was like crazy Nick Cage shining through right there. (laughs) That cake scene. That was the most emotion he showed all movie. When he's on top of her, the angles that they used for the camera really bothered me at that cake scene. (laughs) It did. It just felt very awkward. Um, I yep. felt like I was cramping their personal space. I don't know that I've. I don't know that I can describe it any better than that. And I don't know that I can think of another movie where I feel like I'm too close to an actor while I'm watching it. <laughs> what if that was intentional? I don't know. Because it's I, an awkward scene. It's very awkward. He's still coming into his own. He's still not figured it out, and that's a big miss for her. Big. So what? What I really liked is that he was, um, even though this alternate reality, they've been together 13 plus years at this point, uh, that he obviously just transplanted into it, hadn't been with her for years, so he was very hesitant to have sex or make a move with her. Mm-hmm. I, re- I really thought that added a <clears throat> nice um, sympathetic layer to his character he like he wasn't taking advantage of oh i get to hang out with my ex for you know a few days until this angel puts me back like he treated Mm -hmm. her with a lot of respect so i did like that and he except he did perv out on her in the shower watching her in the shower uh oh that part i I liked that that. scene because he's real like you can tell he's like slightly embarrassed but I was obviously still attracted to her. That but still pervin? racks me up. I have I love no complaints with that Because scene. I love when she pokes her head out and she's like, it is not my day. It is your day. <laughs> I just want to be like, can I claim a day? <laughs> That'd be great. Yep. Um, I, lo- I loved her character throughout for the most part. I, I really did know. not like the, the scene at the bowling alley. Where, oh, I loved that scene. Where they're discussing the affair. 
Yeah, I loved that scene. Between him and that girl? Mm-hmm. You oh. like that scene? Yeah. Yeah, I did like that scene. Okay. I thought it, no, I thought, I thought it was just one of those things that, I mean, I can't relate because I've never done anything like that, but I think it's true to life. Like, that, you know, some people get stuck in these. What is that? The movie just started. Oh. Some people quote. Sorry. Some people get stuck. Some people get stuck in these ruts and sadly feel the need to do something like that. And I like that it showed that even in this alternate reality, he wasn't. It wasn't one hundred percent the perfect life, like for him. I thought like that grounded it a little more for me, rather than he had everything in this alternate reality. It was the happiest guy on earth. Like, no, he still had some problems. But it makes I me wonder. The impression I don't think he was he was going was, with it. No. I think she was. No, no. I, the impression I got was she was trying to. She was basically trying to throw herself at him throughout. But like, was it, over all these years, and he wasn't biting. And all of a sudden, she gets attention, and she's like. Oh, no, I I oh, took yeah. it that like it had been yeah. just kind of this flirty thing between them for a while and they had no. never acted on it so that's no, how no. i took it that's how the movie sold it to me 100 percent. oh see no, I, no, I felt i, I feel like a woman like that that is constantly pursuing a married man is going to delusionally think that she's getting return advances from him when that's not what's happening like especially with her she's like we've been dancing around it for years no honey you have been dancing around it for years you're wanting it so bad you think he did i don't think I don't think Family Jack ever entertained, not the way that he is so in love with his wife, that he sings to her, and that they sell that he is so totally invested in Taylioni. I 100% disagree. If I ever would have thought the way that you think about that scene, I would absolutely hate this movie. I was going to say the same thing. Beyond belief. if he was actually entertaining and, and toying with the, 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 the thought of cheating on Taylor Leone. Um, I'm, not, I'm not saying like he necessarily did it, but I'm, not say, I'm also not saying he didn't flirt with her. No, no I don't even think he flirted with her. But I have also seen people, married people, flirt. Like not like with any intention to cheat. Or not even just married people, people in relationships. Not with any intention to cheat. Just kind of that, you know look, don't touch, you know, you're just playfully talking at a bar. You're not like saying anything inappropriate. It's just kind of this banter back and forth. And that's what I think it was. Not that he had any intention to cheat on Taylor Leone. It's just they had this banter develop over the years that she took a little farther than him. So that's how I viewed it. And I liked that scene. And I liked, um, what's his friend's name? Arnie. Arnie. Arnie's talk with him after that about uh, how every the guy bank. would give their left whatever to be with uh, Kate. So you shouldn't screw that up. So I liked that whole scene, the whole bowling scene, 100%. I didn't like that either. He's a married man. He's like, we would give anything to have your wife and you're just going to blow this. And, you know, it's kind of more than that. It's, it's a, in my opinion, it objectified her a lot. I don't know. I just I didn't like, like any of that scene. <laughs> that was like one of my favorite scenes in the movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> now you're making me want to deduct points from, from my rating, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony's interpretation is making me drop the, my, the score of the movie I love. <laughs> no. Um. 
I mm. let's see. But okay, can I go to the end with my problem with her for at the end? Yeah, that, that's because what I was about to lead us to. So let's do. Because it. you just made me, Julia, hate the ending even more with your. If I had interpreted it the way you did, where like I would never for a second believe like he was anything but happy, had the perfect life with her, blah 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 blah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to try not to go on too long of a rant here, okay? That's okay. We're used to it. Yeah, that's me, and that's fine. I'm fine with that. When he gets offered the Wall Street job in this alternate reality, and he takes her to the beautiful New York City apartment, and he's like, this could be ours. They'll pay for it and everything. So... I'm with her for a a few moments when she's like, what about my job? What about uprooting the kids? I don't want to do any of that. Totally with her. Mm. But then when he says, fine, we don't have to do any of that. We'll stay where we are. The kids can stay where they are. You can stay at your job. I'll commute. And she still gives them a hard time about that. Get the hell out of here. That's when I realized you were better off in this other reality pursuing what you wanted because she's holding you back after you went to, after you came back from London to be with her and she's holding you back now, this juncture in. Look, money can't buy happiness, but can sure as hell make your life better. And if you go with this whole theory that they have the perfect life, they're happy in every regard, perfect family, everything. Except for the fact they're clearly struggling with bills, as he pointed out a million times, that would have made their life better. Well, that annoyed the hell out of me. That was like, you know what? I'm on his side now. Like, screw that crap. That's when I lost all sympathy for her as a character. And that knocked so many points off my score. um, Just how ridiculous that logic was, especially when he acquiesced. I'm not asking you to give up your job. I'm not going to uproot the kids from their school. We can stay where we are, but I'll commute. Especially when she gave that stupid, oh, it's an hour and a half each way. That's three hours round trip. You know how many people commute longer than that in this area to get into the city and for jobs that make their life easier and to provide for their family? Get the hell out of here. That wasn't didn't ring true for me at all for anybody in this Forsaken that, area. That rang true for me 180,000%. Me too. Yeah. No, nope. I, I, I would not. That's really so, not. I know so, people who have gone three hours, more than that. I know people who have come in two and a half hours daily. I know somebody who commuted from New York on the train to DC every day because it was a six figure job and came back. Well, the, but the point is. It's just is, a lifestyle here. Did they? So have people don't to? love their family? Did they have to? How many times did he go through the checkbook over the course in this alternate reality and they were struggling with money? How many times did they demonstrate out to dinner every time? Oh, we can't afford that. We can't do this. Yeah, so they had happiness in every aspect of their life. They were just struggling with money. He could have made that easier. He could have done an hour and a half commute. I do that for a job that doesn't pay a fraction of that. And it's That's life though. That's the thing. Married with a mortgage and all of that and kids, that's just life. Okay. But do you know how much he would have been making at his job? It doesn't believable. That's the entire point of this movie is it's not money's not the mm -hmm. right. Because that's whole his whole driving force in the beginning is money. It's the final and money can't buy happiness, but it can make life easier. 
That's, but that they're not, she even said so herself, life has thrown us some curveballs. Life is not easy, but you know, yeah. what's the important thing is that we have each other. And he still and would have had her. He could have had it both. It would have been time away from his family. It's called the family man. That's 11. The, yeah. That's have a, a reasonable commute man. So for a job, for the job. So, you, so you're have, saying anyone who commutes, they can't be a good family person. I am not saying that at all. I'm so saying. So why couldn't he do it? Movie. I'm saying. Yeah, well, he would then, not that, be, then okay, that's the, he he would not the be there. writing for me. So he would then not be there. He would not be there to take his daughter to ballet anymore. He would not be there to take his nope. kids to school. That's bullshit because my dad commuted two and a half hour drive every day and he made everything. He rearranged his schedule. So he could go to the city Mm -hmm. for a regular job and be back to pick up his daughter at four o'clock PM and then take her somewhere and be done at five o'clock PM while working a job connected to the stock market, which runs from, which has a set hours where you have to be there. You don't would, have to be because I deal with people like this on the train all the time. I talk to them. They be, when you have a high enough job, which he would have had, given the position they were offering him, then you what? have a much more flexibility. He didn't know that was the thing. All those people in the same positions he was in could not be with their family on Christmas Eve at the beginning. That was not the case. the the, the job uh, The job that he had and the, where he was going to work made it very clear. He, he yelled at his, at his associate for wanting to be home with his family on Christmas Eve and told him to, to suck it up that you can see your family afterwards, celebrate December 26th. I don't care. Don't do it now. Um, and you saw the little piece of him die. Oh, that mm. lost most of when you hear my score, just know that scene lost most of the points for me out of all of it. Well, I agree with him completely and have... Um, on more than one occasion, not pursued um, and jobs I'm in my co- life for travel. And I'm calling travel. it. Uh, I'm calling it unrealistic for this area. Just saying, people commute from Connecticut, from New York, from New Jersey, from the tri-state area, all to go into New York City for jobs because it makes that's where the money dude, is. It makes your life easier, dude. I was from Houston. We, I mean, it was an hour and a half to get downtown. Period. No, I get it. And I chose not. To do that then, and I didn't even have a I get it. I just, just a different culture here. So set it somewhere else. Set it in Houston. It's not set a different culture. Midwest. That's what I'm trying to tell you. People everywhere are that way. It's not unique. New York is not is not unique. People I 100% are, pe- disagree. People, it's the area. It is not. People People here drive an hour and a half just to get to Tulsa to work because it's the closest job for them and don't yeah. think anything about it. I think it's weird. They think it's perfectly normal. Yeah, I do too. That's what I'm saying. It's it's a matter of perception and what you want. It doesn't have anything to do with the area because, like I said, it's a very common. It's 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 common everywhere you go. I mean, it's common in Chicago. It's common in Dallas. I mean, in Dallas, it's, com- can- it's especially common by big cities. And just knowing this area, uh, he would have been considered but, a fool. But you, he would not be considered a fool. It's what I consider him 100 percent an idiot. I consider that really a a, a not a very uh, open minded or anything because i would not period take a job that would have me away from my family in a car for three hours transportation three hours i consider the writing they didn't sell that to me that's the thing they did me because i agree with him i I 100 percent disagree i yeah hold on yeah and I find it ridiculous. Him that's ridiculous. the thing. That's the thing. He's changed. And that's his family and being with his family and being with them is the most important thing. That's the entire Linus moment of this movie. Uh, well, a movie that doesn't even need to be set at Christmas time. I get it. Everyone has different priorities, but we're seeing Nicolas Cage shift. 
and that was part of the the shift there was was and, and granted Taylor pushed them towards it and I don't think she did it in the right way and I don't think they had the conversation the way a married couple should where one person is just like no this isn't going to happen that's you know not healthy um nope but um that's part of the growth of Nicolas Cage. I, I know that's part of the reason too. It's the way the conversation was had. Fair enough. If he came to that decision, but it was the way she kind of like, no, it's not going to happen. And he acquiesced. That bothered me. That I, and that, that's what I was going to say. That's where I have the problem. Cause I said earlier, I had a problem with it. I have a problem with the, um, this period. This is, this is how our life is period. Um, and no real discussion. And that's, that's not a, a real relationship and that's, that's not, but there, again, me to say that there are a lot of people who, who do live their lives like that. All right. So favorite scenes and quotes, and I'm just going to warn you, most of mine revolve around Annie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jump in with my real favorite one, uh, which is a little late when she's explaining to him how the world works and she's, you know, he drops the, the, their son off. And she's telling him, you know, I go to winter camp until four and ballet until five. And he says, okay. And she says, and try not to be late because kids don't like to be the last one picked up. <laughs> and he just says, got Aww. it. Good tip. <laughs> His interactions with her are really earnest. It just seems so genuine. Like that's, that's what a kid would tell you. I, I don't want to be the last one picked up. Yep. Julia, what's your favorite quote or one of your favorite quotes? Um, well, I love the whole scene. I'm not going to do the entire quote because it's pretty long, but I love the scene at the end in the airport where he's telling her about their kids. You know, we live in Jersey. We have a house. I work with your dad and all of that. That whole scene is because I like to watch the change in her face during that scene when he's talking and she goes from being like affronted for being stopped from getting on the airplane to softening and Really, you can tell she's visualizing it with him by the end of it. That's another scene that, that bothered me. Scene. That, if, if I had an ex, if I had an ex. Stay out of my favorite scenes oh, here. Let me complete my conversation, my little love of the scene before you interrupt with your cranky New York attitude. <laughs> I love that scene because it makes me happy and that he's sacrificing himself and asking her to come with him. I hate that scene because if my ex of 13 years came to me and stopped me from getting on a plane and told me we have a cow and kids, I would say you're a psycho and get on that plane and tell security don't let them near me. Okay. Also, okay, going back to the airport scenes at the beginning, when she tells him not to get on, she has a bad feeling and he starts talking about the plane blowing up. Could you imagine what would happen in <laughs> yeah. 2018 if you said that at an airport? I do find the airport scenes charming in the sense like uh, pre 9-11 where you can walk up to a gate without a ticket and like just have coffee and wait for them in the, right by the gate. I like that aspect. Like it's such a simpler time. My first, yeah, my first time I flew, um, I flying to LA and my mom took me to the airport and she walked me and I'm, I remember, you know, as the, the, the plane was taxing away, I'm waving at her and our kids are never going to have a concept of what that is like. No, mm -hmm. I know. We would go to the airport just to watch planes take off. Right? They're so close to our house. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I remember the first trip we went to Disney World. Our grandparents drove us to the airport like uh, to drop us off. And they were sitting right by us, right with us at the gate, waiting for us to get on the plane, waved at us as we walked onto the – yeah. Mm -hmm. Such a nicer time. Mm -hmm. 
literally every time we visit Newfoundland, because New Canada in general is pretty white, Newfoundland in general, Newfoundland is just about all white. I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen anyone not white there. So I am the darkest person leaving that island all the time. So every single time I go through airport security, sir, you've been randomly selected. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I have the beard. I have the darker skin. Just let's do this. <laughs> every time. Anthony, do you have a favorite scene or quote? Yeah. If I'd lived in Roman times, I've had lived in Rome. Where else? Today, America is Roman Empire and New York is Rome itself. John Lennon. I hate the Beatles. Is that a song or is that just a quote? No, he said that in an interview. It wasn't a okay. song. Gotcha. He also said, cuckoo, 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 cuckoo. <laughs> Throwing it out there. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm not... I'm not I didn't say that. I'm a huge fan of John Lennon. I'm just, I like to, I'm totally kidding. Jack. Uh, so I, just I love like the that scene where uh, after Annie is realizing you're not my, you're not my dad. And uh, she goes over and she starts pulling on his nose and he just stands there and she's like, they did a pretty good job. Who did? The aliens in the mothership look just like him. <laughs> <laughs> I just like Annie's really simple. I knew you'd come back when he started acting like he had, been for 13 years i thought that was very sweet mm-hmm. and i think that was a great way to tell us that he had changed mm-hmm. it's like we watch his evolution not only do we see it but we don't know what he was like for 13 years well i guess annie doesn't either but annie's what five in this maybe five four or five so we knew what he was like for five years we yeah. knew that this is that he's back to being who he is mm-hmm I like when jack and kate are in the car coming back from the mall and he apologizes for how he behaved and he's getting more details on how they are, where they are. And he goes, well, you know, everything worked out. I mean, I like Annie. And she goes, well, good, Jack. Maybe we'll keep her. <laughs> that sounds like a conversation Christine and I would have in the car. <laughs> oh, I liked it when uh, Annie's quizzing him going back. I'm still in the same scene because I love this scene. I love the interaction with her where she's like, do you like kids? Jack says, on a case-by-case basis, you know how to make chocolate milk? I think I could figure it out. Problem is you won't kidnap me and my brother and plant stuff in our brains. Sure. Welcome to Earth. The idea, okay, do you like us? Will you make me chocolate milk? You're not going to put anything in my brain. I mean, like, these are the three things that concern this child. It's so genuinely kid. I liked going back to the mall when he was like, why don't we go to all the stores, every single store in this godforsaken shopping mall? Wouldn't that be exciting? Because I hate malls. They're, gonna, they're not going to be around very long. I, I like when Jack is um, arguing with Cash to let him stay in this reality. And Cash just it's just like, a glimpse by definition is an impermanent thing, Jack. Like, just matter-of-factly. <laughs> what did bother me, though, is when he woke up back in his own reality, he wasn't as upset as I thought he should be, having just begged to stay in the other one. Like He, he was more sick. resigned. Yeah, but I felt like... Uh, I feel like if I was in a, put in an alternate reality and wanted to uh, stay and try to stay up all night so I wouldn't wake up in my real one, mm-hmm. like I'd be a little more, I'd be resigned, but I'd be a little more like upset, cry in the shower before going to work or something. I don't know. What I didn't like was their attempt at showing the juxtaposition between his old life and his new, new life. When they go out to dinner and mm-hmm. he orders the $800 bottle of wine, First of all, I don't know how his wife knew that quickly that it was an $800 bottle of wine. <laughs> um, but that's not something most people do when they go out to eat. 
And the waiter was just really weird at that scene to me, which I kind of liked, like how dejected he looked <laughs> when he found out they <laughs> he were really in the, He looked like, you know, he looked like somebody had just stolen his puppy or something. <laughs> yeah. He really did. It passes the Linus test, obviously. Oh, yeah, totally. Oh, that's the other thing I was going to say. When they have the snow falling. Very It's a Wonderful Life. Very It's a Wonderful Life. Very It's yeah. a Wonderful Life. I liked it. I think we can all agree it passes the Linus test. Yep. Definitely. I did get the Christmas feel, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with Anthony and say I thought it was a Christmas movie. It could have been set some other time, but they did a really good job of giving me the feels. I would have got more of a feels if it was kind of... I don't know. I never get the feels from Christmas movies that are set after Christmas, which the majority of this film was. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would have got more Christmassy vibes if it was set up in the lead up to Christmas. As opposed to him immediately leaving on Christmas morning. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't that's get another thing. feels on this one. You don't? I get, I get feels for sure, but mm-hmm. they're not Christmas feels. So I don't classify this as a Christmas movie. It's a movie set at Christmas. And like you said, just a little after. So um, the music has a little Christmassy vibe. Yes, but I don't. I don't put the movie in that category. Not this one. The one scene we didn't talk about that I really loved was when, in, in my opinion, Nicolas Cage's best acting was when he was so hurt that Annie took the bell. And he just starts insisting that she took his bell. I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was another problem I had with this. He was so weird. I mean, he was just weird. His interaction with the kids, with everybody and Tia Leone thinks he's just like joking. I don't know what kind of joking that would be. I'm, I'm about as, I mean, on all of my stuff, I write down that I'm somewhat hilarious, but I think if I were acting that way, my wife would know that I had a, that there was a problem. So I, I have this one note written down. It's at this point during the anniversary dinner that I start to question the intelligence of Kate and all of Jack's family and friends, minus Annie for not committing Jack somewhere for his clear psychotic breakdown. So Hmm. I did because he was acting like, okay, he acted weird for a day. He was acting weird for however long this was going on. Like I would see, I would seriously worry if one day like Sarah woke up and started questioning everything. You know, like couldn't remember anything or, you know, I feel like most people would. Yeah. All right. So final thoughts. I like it. I, I like yeah, it a lot. I like it makes me feel good it hits all the all the things that matter to me matter to the characters you know and i like that it's translatable to me uh despite how harsh i was on it i do like the film but the things i really don't like about it i really don't and that's going to be reflected in my score and i I would watch it again though i feel i would have liked the movie more with a better actor I'll say this for Brett Ratner. Normally, I don't like his movies. This is probably his most beautifully directed movie. It is. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just go back to the Rotten Tomatoes review. It's, a uh, quote, too predictable and derivative to add anything new to the Christmas genre, and it sinks under sentimentality. And uh, that basically sums up my thoughts. All right. So, Julia, what's your score? I give The Family Man a 5.5. And some of that is because it's not a Christmas movie to me. Anthony? A 4.3. I am giving it an 8.5. Woohoo! Giving it a 6.012. Let's go see where that puts it on our list. 
our list is getting long. Mm-hmm. It is. I like it though. I do too. It's really cool to see it growing. Uh, That's what she said. I just you missed one <laughs> a few seconds back. I was wondering if you were gonna <laughs> get back on the ball with it. That's so <laughs> this movie falls just below the Nightmare Before Christmas and before Office Christmas Party, coming in at number eleven on our list. Awesome. All right. I would like. I can almost agree with that. I would have liked to have seen it above Nightmare Before Christmas, but I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, me too. wonder if I should amend my score. It's not, not too late. What point what will put it above Nightmare Before Christmas? Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. A 6.2 will tie it, so a 6.21 will... <laughs> Make it so. It's got to be above. It's got to be above Nightmare for me. Because they're both, I don't consider Christmas movies, but I like this one more than I like Nightmare. Okay. <laughs> I feel like we just cheated. But I, I think we all get a mulligan on our vote. We, we've, well, we've... no, because I, so I purposefully gave it, origin, my original review was if I, rating was a 5.5 because I rated Nightmare at a 5. Right. So for oh, me, so you were rating it above Nightmare. I was rating it above Nightmare, but the way that it turned, I guess that is still kind of cheating. So guys, right. we can keep it at five point five if you want. This puts us at a list of twenty films. Can you believe it? Oh we hit God. twenty films. Twenty movies. Last week was twenty episode twenty six. That's half a year. We're at our half a year anniversary, guys. Yeah. Last week was our half Happy half birthday. Anniversary. That was exciting. Um, guys, we had a, a recommendation and we're gonna gauge some interest, do a do a poll on uh, on all the social media, see if we would if anybody would be interested in us doing Clue as a private oh, yes. Patreon I'm episode. Interested. I'm also interested. Well, seriously, when she messaged us the other day, like, I was telling Julia before you came on, I was so excited. I was like, yes, I want to talk about Clue. So, um, Charlene, we're going to go ahead and, and gauge interest. And if we have enough people interested in hearing that on the Patreon episode, we'll go ahead and get that in the works. I'm going to vote yes because I've never seen the movie. So I think I'll I'm bring a in, hard yes. Yeah, I'm an too. interesting... I think it'll be interesting because this is a movie that everybody I knew grew up with that I have not seen. I just can't believe you haven't seen it. I'll be curious to see how nostalgia plays a factor for us and whether or not Tom, what Tom thinks, having never seen or it. Or what you guys will think sitting down and watching it critically. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Very good be, point. I'm ner- I am legitimately nervous when we get to movies I like. <laughs> like when we said the, when we said the family, because I, I really do like this movie a lot, I, I started getting nervous. Like I'm getting anxiety because of how these movies change go, in my opinion i go back tom to the week before we did rudolph and me and you were like oh i hope charlie brown prepares to get knocked down and then rudolph came up and you're like oh i know that was a traumatic week for me <laughs> <laughs> so be on the lookout for our poll we'll run it for the, this week um and if you're not already you should definitely um head over to our patreon page and look at what we have to offer we've got a, a christmas sticker we've got um I think it's time to start looking at some random holidays to send cards to our Patreon mm-hmm. to surprise them. Uh, and we got some a couple of, of episodes. Uh, just so you guys know what we're working on 
in the pipeline, we're looking at doing our first comic, Batman Noel. We're looking now at possibly doing Clue. Uh, Christmas commercials. Christmas commercials, which is going to be a, a I'm extremely excited about. We'll review, review and make Christmas commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'd love your help. Uh, anything you do just helps make helps us make this podcast better. None of us are getting rich. Um, we all donate, you know, or we all volunteer a few hours a week to talk to each other, watch the movie, and then one unlucky soul gets to <laughs> edit the podcast and write a show Good. notes for the week. So you can donate money. You can also just donate a little bit of your time back to us as well. Um, It doesn't take very long to write a review or leave a rating in the iTunes music store, but it's super, super helpful um, in getting other people to find our podcast. So if you have a chance and you're so inclined and you enjoy it, um, we'd love to hear from you through a five-star review. also, we would love it if you would like our social media pages. Um, we're not all of us on Twitter, but we are on Twitter individually. Some of us, as well as our Tis the Podcast Twitter handle. Um, also on Instagram, um, also on Facebook, and we have a pretty snappy webpage as well, um, tisthepodcast.com. See on our website, though, you can see our current ranking of movies, and we have some pretty cool show notes up there, too, that give you a little more detail about each episode, which are really neat. Um, And because I cannot forget to mention it, because I've been harassed now about it, we have a really fun and active um, subreddit as well. And it's really a lot of fun chatting on there. So join us and get in the conversation, and we just want to hear from you. All right. (laughs) Next week is another. Uh, rom-com we're building up the anticipation and getting you guys excited for valentine's day via christmas movies or movies traditionally shown at christmas time so next week is love actually the uh the start of that whole new year's day mother's day genre of movie that we have now valentine's day genre we now have Mm um i'm pretty excited about it oh yeah you know what i'm excited about what? I am excited that it's only 323 days until Christmas. Which is only 46 weeks, guys. We're moving fast. We are moving fast. I'm so we're like pumped. three weeks away from being under the 300s. I know. That's crazy. Time to get on your Christmas shopping. Although it's, really- <laughs> <laughs> Although it's really crazy to believe that I think you guys are starting Lent next week, right? Yes. All right. Well, guys, until next week, remember the best way to spread Christmas cheer, even in February, is singing loud for all to hear. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye.